absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and we've got Christina Shalhoop on the program today. You may say, who's Christina Shalhoop? I don't know that name from the LPGA Tour or anything, and you're correct. But this woman has held a myriad of positions in golf and outside. She is a professional broadcaster, meteorologist, does traffic weather. She's worked for the RNA. She's worked for the Golf Channel. She was a captain, playing captain at NYU on the golf team. The woman has done a tremendous amount in a short amount of time. Christina, what's the good word? Um, First of all, if you keep talking like that, my head's not going to fit through the door. So thank you for that warm welcome, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we try, you know what I mean? I try to butter you up in the beginning, and then if things kind of go off the rail, we're good at the end, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's pretty fair. I like the approach here. <laughs> um, so you're, you're in Tennessee. Now, you grew up in Massachusetts, but you're yeah. residing in, in Tennessee now. Um, and you've kind of been everywhere did do you <laughs> did you think when you were growing up in Massachusetts could you envision yourself where you are now doing you know weather and traffic um down in Tennessee in Nashville of all places not even a little bit um you know what's funny is I was never one of those kids who was like I know exactly what I want to do when I grow up I had genuinely no idea I mean the closest thing I can think of was I actually wanted to be a marine biologist for a long time um, and that was probably the longest stint of any career path I ever had thoughts of. And I was like five. So, um, no, I really couldn't imagine being here. And I love the Northeast. I love my home. Um, but Nashville, man, it's been really cool down here. It's been quite the journey to get here. But I am super in love with the city so far, despite all the uh, the craziness that's happened since I've been here, I guess you could say. <laughs> So growing up in Massachusetts, you know, I mean, obviously Northeast, cold weather state, uh, you know, I, I, I feel you. I'm in the same exact boat. I do the same exact thing. You, your golf season up there is even shorter than mine. Um, how does a girl growing up in, in Boston, in and around Boston, get so hooked into golf? <laughs> um, my dad, actually. So my dad works in the golf business. He has for the last oh, I don't know, 30 years or something like that. And it was actually great because when I was, uh, I was actually born in Rochester, New York, and I was there for the first very few years of my life before moving to Massachusetts. And that's where I spent, you know, most of my childhood and teenage years and everything. And in Rochester, my dad um, played at a country club literally across the street from our house. And it was great because he never pushed me to play or anything, but I just loved to be outside. So he'd take me when I was three, four, five years old and he cut down um, he worked for Callaway for a long time. So he had a bunch of clubs in his basement and he just had them cut down to teeny tiny baby height. And he'd give me one or two of them and let me sit in the golf cart with him and just say, you know, hey, if you want to hit a shot, hit a shot. And if not, just enjoy the sunshine. And that was kind of how I got hooked. It was a just a great way to be outside as a kid. Um, I was actually a, a competitive figure skater for a long time as a kid, uh, like 10 years or something like that. So that was my focus for a while. And golf was kind of the fun thing for me. And eventually I was just done with skating and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll start competing. You know, I'll, I'll play tournaments and stuff like that. And I was hooked so quick. It was, it was funny when I was skating, I hated competing. I don't know why, because that's why you do it half the time. 
But with golf, I couldn't wait to get competitive. I was so excited. So it was definitely tough growing up in such a cold weather climate. Um, but having, you know, the support of my family, I mean, my whole family plays. My mom doesn't really very much, but she loves to watch or uh, like walk the golf course with us and just be outside. But my brother plays. He's, I don't like to admit this, but he's better than I am now. Um, but my dad plays and my brother plays and I play. So we'll all go out as a family and it's, it was great. It was a great way to spend my childhood, you know, it's a really fun family activity and just a, a great way to be outdoors, you know? So I'm assuming, you know, you're, you're a very good high school golfer, correct? I was, I was good. Um, I was, I don't know. I had my days, you know, what my, my problem was, is, and this kind of continued on to college too, I'll be honest, is I would, I was not overly consistent. Like I would have rounds where I'd shoot 72 and then the next day I'd go shoot 82 and I would just get, you know, a little too in my head those days. I'd be like, all right, let's keep it going. And then just put a little too much pressure on myself. So the days I was good, I was really good. And the days I was not good, I was not so good. <laughs> so I guess how, how coming from and in and around Boston, do you end up at NYU? Was that for golf or is that more for uh, broadcasting? Um, actually it was kind of, so I guess more for golf and academics, I guess. So my mom's a teacher. I always grew up with a very strong, you know, academic background. She's, you know, always, I was doing math homework in the summer, that kind of thing. Um, and when I got to, you know, my first few years of high school, I was like, well, I don't know if I want to go to college to play golf or go to college, you know, for a specific major or just, you know, a really good academically strong school. And I kind of was looking at colleges all over the map. And I went to NYU. I, I, the, I got a call from the golf coach there who, to this day, he's still like one of my greatest friends there. He's the best. Um, and, you know, he wanted to come watch me play. And then after watching me play, he was like, okay, like, you know, we're going to start formally recruiting you. Um, and they sent me to the school for my recruit trip. And believe it or not, it was actually my first time ever going to New York, which is funny because it's really not that far from Boston. It's only a four hour drive. And I had just never been. And the second I stepped foot off the train and looked at the city, I was like, oh, there is no way I could go anywhere else other than here. Um, and it was perfect because I got everything I wanted academically. I had so much fun playing golf for them. Um, it was it was perfect. Honestly, it was really a perfect match. Yeah, New York seems to have that pull either one way or the other. People are yes. <laughs> enamored with it, right? Or people completely hate it. Um, you know, I grew up 20 minutes from Manhattan. So, you know, in high school, I was taking the train in and out and the subways in and out to go to concerts and to see bands and, and stuff like that. Um, so for me, the luster of the city is is kind of null and void. Like I grew to... Comple I don't want to say hate it, you know, because then we'll lose all of our <laughs> listeners from New York uh, City. So I'm not going to say that. But it's okay. you know, if you say you hate it, I'll come back and say I love it. So it's even keel. Fair enough. So I despise <laughs> it uh, almost with every fiber of my being. Um, but I, I think it's because I was so surrounded by it nonstop, you know, for so many years. Uh, but if I were to go to, let's say, Boston or something like that, I might have the complete opposite reaction, even though it's, you know, a big city as well. So I get I get that draw there with it. Um, so I got to ask you, at playing NYU, what's, what's your home course there? 
Um, so that's always the first question I get is like, what yeah, is like your there's no, there's nothing, you play the city? there's nothing <laughs> close. Like what Van Cortland? Is that it? I don't know what, what, what is the close um, course? We actually played out at Van Cortland a few times, but, um, and I, first of all, I always used to tell people and some of them, believe it or not, actually believed me when I said this, I'd be like, oh yeah, we just hit balls off the top of the empire state building. <laughs> yeah. It's not a problem at all. I'm not even kidding you. I have actually had people believe that. Um, so nope, that's not true. That's just me messing around. Um, but we played out in, uh, Nishanic Valley at Nishanic country club for a while. It was like, I don't know, I want to say only 10 miles or so out of the city, but of course 10 miles, you know, commuting from New York is a nightmare. Um, so it would take us like an hour, hour and a half sometimes to get there. Um, and then we also played at Spook Rock out in Suffern, New York. And that was awesome. Um, I love that course. I haven't been back there since playing in college and I actually really miss it. So um, at some point I'll get back there, but that was pretty cool. And I think maybe the coolest thing is that once a week we had just a range day and we would go hit at Chelsea Piers and that was the best. We'd do that every single week. Um, and in the winter, just for like, you know, fine tuning our swings and stuff like that, um, would either hit, if it was not absolutely bone chillingly cold, would go hit um, just at the range. And if not, they have simulators on the top floor. So that was really cool. Yeah. Chelsea Piers is a, is a very cool experience if you've never been. Um, obviously it's it's the epitome of New York City pricing, uh, you know, <laughs> yes, to, it is. <laughs> to hit golf balls. Um, now, I'm not familiar with Spook Rock, but Nishanik I've played, and that's a great course. Now, when you played, did they still have the little par three? Oh, I should say was. Yes. The little, it was there still. Okay. Yes. Oh, my God. That was the best. I loved that little par three. That is something that I personally am like such an advocate for. I mean, I, I can have the most if I, I never played another full length golf course again, but there were great par three courses, you know, around me like that. I think I could be a happy guy for the rest of my life. I, I love a I good totally par three. Agree. Course. I couldn't agree more. And it's so much fun, like especially, you know, if you're taking people out to play who don't normally play, that's such an easy way to get them involved in the game because it's not like you're chasing the ball all over the planet and everything like that. And if they're maintained nicely, like Nishanik is, it's awesome. Oh, my gosh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, my kids have actually done drive, chip, and putt quali or, yeah, uh, semi-regional or whatever whatever that's called, regional qualifiers there. Yeah. Um, and it's been – it's it's awesome. And the, the big course there is – Fantastic, always in great shape. And I actually grew up playing a little par three course, like a real short pitch and putt uh, on Jones Beach. And oh, it's wow. The, yeah, and, and unfortunately, I, I believe it's not there anymore. Um, my buddy Scott, who does the, the pod with me, I think mentioned that that's either closed down or in such disrepair now, which sucks because it was like five bucks, you know, no hole longer than 70 yards or so. I'm pretty sure it was a full 18 and it sat in like this little postage stamp right on the beach. I mean, it was just, oh, it was insane. That's so dreamy. Oh, that's so sad that it's really not like up and running anymore. That's a yeah, bummer. well, I'm sure like everything, they were like, hey, we can put, you know, a restaurant here and make yeah. 10 times as much money. And that's eh, whatever. Um, hey, does NYU have any indoor practice facilities? Like, I know NYU is not an actual campus, per se, quote-unquote. <laughs> um, just a bunch of buildings throughout the city uh, with, like, you know, purple NYU flags hanging. But That's did they have exactly any – yeah, I know. <laughs> did they have any indoor <laughs> golf facilities at all or no? Um, so – I actually don't know now because so there are two gyms at NYU. One is Palladium, and that one's 
really nice, brand new, has a dorm on top of it. I actually lived there one year, which was kind of cool. And the other one is Colts, and that's like the athlete gym. So if you're a part of any team, that's where you would go. And they had, you know, the fil- the facilities were amazing, but it was just an old building. Um, and when I was still there, they actually put a hitting bay inside one of the I think it used to be like a squash court or something like that, which was super cool. So we got a track man and set up a hitting bay in there um, and would do that all winter long, which was great. But they just knocked Coles down maybe two years ago because they're building something new. They're building like a new, essentially like a palladium, you know, a big fancy gym with a dorm on top. Um, So I don't know if they're going to do that again. I hope they do because it was so helpful um, just to be able to like swing a golf club when it's eight degrees outside. (laughs) Yeah, not to mention when you're stuck, not stuck, but when you're inside a enormous urban center, um, you know, golf is is not at the forefront of anybody's mind. It's not like you were, you know, up uh, in the outskirts of Boston or like you said, up in Suffern, which is more idyllic countryside than obviously New York City would be. Um, What's what's the what's your favorite course that you got to play actually in college? Um, In in or around New York or like when I was competing in tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah, let's do both actually. I'm 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 okay. I'm kind of uh I'm you know, obviously New York has some of the greatest golden age courses anywhere. I mean, literally anywhere in the world. The the New York <laughs> Long Island area is just, you know, you get out to Suffolk, it's you throw incredible. a rock. Yeah, yeah. And, and you hit a top 10 course. Um but but people don't realize how much good golf is in and around um, the New York City area, like you said, once you go 15, 20 miles outside of it, the just insane amount of clubs that are around there is is astronomical. So yeah, yeah. let's go, let's go with that. Well, let's go with okay. the your favorite course that you played uh, within the area, and then favorite one you did traveling. Okay, so in the area, and this was a treat. We got to do this like maybe twice a semester. Um, TPC Yasna Palana. It's in Princeton, New Jersey. Yep. No one knows it exists, weirdly enough. Like, I, I talked to so many people. My husband's from New Jersey, da- literally down the street from that golf course. And until I brought him there after we met, he was like, what is this? I didn't know that was a thing. It's so wild. It's tucked away. It is. It's beautiful. It's such a hidden gem. The clubhouse, actually, okay, I'm going to try to get all of this right because it's a lot to remember. But the coolest thing is the clubhouse um, was one of the old Johnson & Johnson mansions. And it was originally built by, oh gosh, I think someone in that family who was married to a Polish princess and he built it to mirror one of the castles that her family had in Poland, except in Poland, they were at the time, you know, kind of being persecuted. And so they built this clubhouse or now clubhouse with all of these trap doors and hidden doors in it and stuff like that. So if you like sneak around that clubhouse, you'll see all of these hidden doors in the walls and stuff like that in some of the back rooms, which is so cool. Um, but the golf course is also incredible. Like I just, I think the history of that course is amazing. That um, I see. I didn't, I didn't know that about, it. I mean, I knew like the basic <laughs> stuff. It's a, you know, a Gary player course. You know, a lot of people have no idea that it is owned by the tour, that it is a TPC course. It's probably yeah. the most under the radar one, but honestly, it's probably one of the top two that they actually own. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, it's it's just magnificent. Like, it's such a beautiful course. It's 
Um, it's pretty undulated. I mean, there really isn't a flat spot on there, which I personally love. I mean, it's pretty typical of so many Northeast golf courses, but it's just meticulously maintained. It's beautiful. I, I, I don't really have enough good things to say about that golf course. I love it. Um, and there are so many just beautiful holes. Like I couldn't pick a favorite hole in that golf course because every single one you get to, it's like, oh, this one's great too. Um, so that was a huge treat. We got to do that probably, yeah, I think like twice a semester or something like that. Um, and I have no idea how we got the hook up there, but very thankful that my coach managed to pull that one off. <laughs> yeah, playing, uh, you know, an ultra private course like that is uh, is always a treat, especially when you're when you're a college kid. Yes. Yeah. That was, and that's one of the things about college golf, by the way. And if there are any like high schoolers and, you know, people hoping to maybe play college golf, this is me advocating for college golf because you just don't realize how many amazing opportunities there are and how many cool courses you can play. And I mean, look, you get to go play golf for free for at least 10 weeks out of the year. That's so dreamy, you know? Okay, so that's, that's just, yeah. Right there. You hit the nail on the head, like free <laughs> golf. But not only free golf, free instruction, free practice, yes. and, and free golf at amazing courses, too. Even if you're not playing at a top level, you know, ultra competitive D1 school, you're still going right. to go to so many cool private courses that you otherwise would not be able to get on right. at all. So you're ready for this one. Kind of a, a combination of uh, on that note, you were asking what my favorite course was that we traveled to go play. So my NYU, because it's, you know, super academic, there's a ton of awesome study abroad programs. But if you're an athlete, they tried to keep you in New York all four years. You know, it was like, look, you signed on to play. We really would love it if you stayed here. But as incentive, they started doing um, like abroad trips for all the teams. And it was amazing because half the trip would be, you know, competitive in whatever sport you played. And half the trip would be volunteer service, which was really awesome. And my senior year, we went to Spain as a team and it was, uh, my mother's family is Spanish. So for me, that was like the absolute dream. And while we were there, we actually go, we got to go play Valderrama, which was, I'm like getting giddy just thinking about the fact that I had the opportunity to do that. So that was by far and away the coolest experience I had being on that team. Like I, I don't think I'll ever have anything like that again. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I can't even, I mean, I can't even fathom that now, and I've played a <laughs> bunch of great courses, but doing that as a college kid has to be insane. Yeah, it was, and it was so cool, like, I mean, you know, so it's very old school, of course, you know, it's super private, no cell phones on the course, so I have literally one picture and it's the picture that we were allowed to take as a team standing outside the clubhouse and I got a little ball mark from the gift shop and that will forever sit in my like you know little treasures box and as a college kid you know as a 21 year old just looking back at that especially because for me it was fun um I'm a little rusty now but I was fluent in Spanish for a long time just because of my mother's family and I got to translate for like 20 people. So not only did I go get to play the course, but I was translating for an entire team of people at this golf course that, you know, legends like Seve grew up down the street from. Like it was so cool. Was yeah, and that brilliant. and that only that only ingratiates you even more with the people over there. You know, they, yes. they, they look upon you as, oh, well, hey, you know, she's kind of one of our own. So let me let me open up the doors even more 
you know, for, for this woman here. At, at 21 years old, were you able to process how special of a round that was at the time? I don't, I, yes and no. I, I think I processed the trip a little more than the round because now I look back on that and I've played some, like I've been really lucky with some of the courses I've been able to play over the years just between college and some of the jobs that I've had. But I don't think I really realized how, special that particular round is first of all because it's impossible to get onto that golf course and second of all just because of the incredible history I mean it's a Ryder Cup course again like legends just playing down the street or living down the street like you know the fact that Seve stepped foot on that soil just oh man I'm thinking about it now I I, I feel super lucky and I, I don't think I really realized it at the time I was super enamored with the idea of being there but uh, now looking back, it's like, oh man, you little twenty-one-year-old idiot! Like you got to do that. How on <laughs> earth did you get to do that? Like, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> now coming from NYU, so you graduate with a degree in was it media communications? What was it exactly? Yeah, it was. Um, so I had a general. It was actually kind of weird. So even as I went into college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I eventually thought I, I love to write. Um, so I thought for a long time I wanted to be a sports writer and I was like, you know what, since I don't really know, I'm just going to do the general media degree. And that's what I did. And then I got a minor in, um, like entertainment business, which that minor was really cool. I got to take some really fun classes with some very awesome professors. Um, so definitely, uh, advocate for that too. I, I was awesome. Um, so I came out of there with, a uh, pretty decent background in general media and like the business side of it as well. So that was kind of cool. Now I have never, I've met a, a ton of people in golf that have worked for the PGA, the USGA, the PGA tour, but I have never met anybody that worked for the Royal and ancient. How, <laughs> how does a girl from Massachusetts get in with the RNA? Um, <laughs> so it was kind of a combination of things, um, timing being the first one. And I had worked a bunch of inter one thing. Also, another thing, um, if again, any high school, college, younger folks are listening. Oh, my God. Do as many internships as you possibly can, because that opened so many doors for me. And a lot of mine were in golf in one way or another. Like I worked for uh, the WJM Women's Golf Association of Massachusetts. Um, I did like a bunch of stuff writing for local papers and stuff like that about golf or sports or something. I worked for our sports department um, covering, you know, all of our teams and stuff like that. And so my resume for a kid was already pretty bulky, which was kind of nice. And my dad working in the golf business had, uh, he does a lot of work over there. He does a lot of work in the UK. And one of his buddies called him one day and was like, Hey, doesn't your daughter, like work in media or want to work in media or something like that. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, well, the RNA is looking for some interns. Like, do you want me to recommend her? And I was like, yes. Like, oh my God, please. <laughs> so within, I want to say it was like a week or something like that. I got the phone call that I'd been selected to go over there and help their digital media team. And I cried. Um, I was so excited. I'd never been to Europe. So, um, because this was before I started with the RNA, actually before I went to Spain. Um, I think it was like my junior year of college or something like that, or uh, summer going to junior year or something like that. 
Um, so I went over there for about three weeks or so. Um, it was 2012. So it was at Lytham St. Anne's, uh, which was an absolutely freaking crazy open championship, by the way, with like, you know, Snedeker leading it for however many days and then Adam Scott leading it for two days and then falling apart at the end. And Ernie Els of all people, it was insane. Um, yeah, Adam, Adam that, Scott hit, uh, hit that driver in, into the bunker when he should have yes. hit three wood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my, I, I could, yes. <laughs> it like makes me angry <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> it like genuinely makes me mad thinking about that. Um, but after that, I mean, I, I guess I did a good enough job that they actually hired me back as an employee for the next two years, um, which was just too cool. Um, and that team is awesome. They just, they just do it right. I mean, they're so efficient and they're so fun. You know, they don't like I worked really long days, really like, you know, 15, 16, 17 hour days, but it just didn't feel like work. You know, it literally felt like I was just watching some golf, <laughs> which was super cool. Would you be able to narrow down one or two of, of kind of the best experiences working over there and, and working for them? <laughs> whether 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 it's places you got to go to or, or, or people you got to meet or just kind of doors that that the RNA were, were able to open for you. <laughs> So um, a couple of fun stories from there that for me were some of the coolest moments, especially being such a, you know, golf fanatic, obviously. Um, one of the cooler ones uh, was I got to, I think this was my second year there. I'm pretty sure. He was at Muirfield the second year. And uh, I was, but one of the jobs that I had been designated to do for the week was just to get we were doing a bunch of raffles like charity raffles and stuff like that so they're like hey could you just go sit on a few of the tea boxes and ask some of the players to sign all of these rna items and i was like oh yeah really what a tough job you know so i got to just go sit on the tea box and chat with the players for three days and one of the things i got to do was um there was a, a flag that we wanted to get signed and rory had just come off of i think it was the the Wednesday practice round and I was like hey Rory would you mind like I'm with the RNA you know we're uh we're getting all this stuff signed for I forget what the, the initiative we were doing was that day and he was like oh my god of course and he was like hey I don't have something to lean on can you like bend over and I can just write this on your back <laughs> and I was like yes sir I can so somewhere on the BBC there's like a picture of me leaning over and Rory signing a flag on my back and I was just like this is just like the weirdest thing but I kind of love it at the same time. And he couldn't have been any nicer. He's like, hey, tell the guys at the RNA if they thank you for this. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was kind of fun. And then the next year um, at Liverpool, we all went out to just some tiny little hole-in-the-wall Thai restaurant after work one day. And I go to open the door and almost walk straight into Matt Kuchar. And he looks at me and I was like, oh, my God so sorry and he was like may i show you to your seat ma'am and i was like are, are you gonna be my waiter today Matt Kuchar? Like, what is happening? <laughs> and he just gave me this like goofy cooch smile and like went and sat down and i was just like this is just the weirdest thing on the planet but he like again couldn't have been any nicer but there are just so many little silly things like that that happened through all of those trips that it's like man these are the guys that i you know i'm covering these guys i'm like and yet here they are in the flesh and blood just being fun <laughs> it's really cool yeah just just being people i try to tell people that all the time 
uh, you know, I'll get DMs or whatnot, or people will message me and say, hey, how was, uh, how was so-and-so, you know, I don't know, throwing pro's name here that we've had on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're cool people. Like, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, people are people. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, it. <laughs> that's exactly it. People are people. And that's, I mean, if I learned anything, because, you know, I, I don't get starstruck very often. I really don't. But there were a few of those guys that I was like, wow, this is just too cool. And it was kind of nice to see, like, they're just, they're just people. You know, they're just going to work every day. The same thing as we're doing, you know, maybe a little more fun, but still. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, like, you know, for a lot of them, too, it is it is just a job. It just happens to be a job that you think is super cool. Right. Exactly. I mean, they, you know, they work hard and try to get their payday just like everybody else. It's just a, a different way of doing it. And we all get to stare at them while they do. So. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, they're they they literally are like animals in a zoo during tournaments. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it's 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 one of the things that I've always found just so weird. I I I do love this when you go to tournaments and if people haven't gone, you know, you you've heard me advocate on the podcast, you know, for months and months and months. Go to tournaments, get there, see yes. them in in the flesh. But what's yep. awesome is how quiet it is inside the ropes. No matter what's going on yeah. outside. The chaos, the the movement of thousands of people waiting online to get beer, food, merch tent, whatever. Media running up and down. Inside the ropes is so quiet. But I always get this feeling that they're like at an old antiquated zoo, you know, where you just yes. hold on to the bars and, and watch them. <laughs> that is, oh gosh, that's a perfect analogy. It's so true, though. Like, And I 100% agree with you, by the way. If you haven't been to a tournament, just just do it it is the best sport like i've been to every professional sporting event on the planet and there's nothing better than a golf tournament but it's so true you go there and you know there's thousands and thousands of people and you expect it to be so wild and loud and everyone's just hanging out it's yeah, amazing it's funny because people say like, you know, I love playing golf or I can play golf or I'll go to the range, but I can't watch it on TV. It's so boring. And I kind of get that, you know, like, you know, I'm, right. I'm, in, I'm in the 1% of people that can sit and watch a tournament for a long time. But, you know, I'm a freaking golf nerd, so that's different. But <laughs> True. when you when you go to a tournament, there's so much to do and so much to see. And, and even if you only like golf, like the teeniest bit. Just to see what those guys and those women can do with a golf ball is insane. Yes. And the perspective is so much different. Like one of the things that's on my bucket list is I've never been to Augusta, but, you know, watching it on TV, it looks. Well, fun. you're not going to get there. From, this year. What's that? I said, you're not going to get there this year. <laughs> nope. Which is a huge bummer, but it's fine. You know, whatever. But still, I just, that's one of those things that like, you know, in person versus on TV, you just don't get the same perspective. You know, that golf course is actually really hilly, but you would never know watching it on TV, stuff like that. So those are like all those little things that if you even appreciate golf just a little bit, going to a tournament will help you understand, you know, and it really is amazing to see what those guys can do. Because even the best amateur players, I, I mean, you just you can't hang, you know, you have to be something really special to be out there. Yeah, it is, you know, the, the PGA, people say the PGA Tour is the top 1%, but really the PGA Tour is the top 0.1% of the top 1%. Yes. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, and the same thing goes for, for the LPGA. 
PGA Tour. I hear guys all the time that'll say, well, I mean, hey, man, I, I can hit the ball like 250. I just, you know, their, their courses must be so much shorter or they're set up so much easier. And I'm like, dude, you're like, you're a moron. You know, I've got... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah I have friends that play out there that could give you 40 strokes and still whip you like it's insane yeah. you know <laughs> it's so true oh my gosh there's and it's just oh I don't even know what to say I'm like speechless because you're oh, again 100% right and it's just when people say that I'm like oh dude like you you don't really think you can hang do you yeah <laughs> like, it's that's just so, uh that's so cute <laughs> it's it, it, right yeah bless your heart right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Bless your heart. Simple as that. Um, and to, just to touch on your point about Augusta, um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to to have been there before. And oh. one of the things that's insane, and even in and new HD TVs and you know 4K TVs do a a semi decent job, especially with the graphics of 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 showing you a little bit of the undulations. However, when you get on that tenth tee and you see how downhill it is and that it is a literal blind dogleg left, like it yes. will blow your mind because you have an idea of what it looks like. And then you get there and you're like, oh my God, this is <laughs> this is now like looking through it with 3D glasses. Like that's how insane yes. it is. Oh God, that's so, that's, it just makes me want to go even more. I can't believe you've been, I mean, top of the bucket list, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I, I would say so. I've been to every major but the Open Championship. So now top of the bucket list would have to be the Open at St. Andrews. You know, if, oh. if there's a bucket list, that has to be it now. That's pretty good. That's that's a pretty good one to have up there. Oh, my gosh. I still can't believe you've been to Augusta. You know the duck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually staring at a big, so in, in uh, a, a newer addition to my podcast studio is a Augusta National members only banner that I have up, oh, which, which is a play off of the sign, which, you know, most of the stuff that people have from Augusta, it's all masters related. Um, and a, a real funny story, Haley Moore, uh, who plays on the LPGA tour, she's a rookie. Yeah. She played in the first ever uh, Augusta National Women's a Amateur, the ANWA. Right. And she said, yeah, we got to go into the clubhouse and we got to get, you know, two polos and, and some hats and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, my. I was like, you have gear with the Augusta National members logo. And she's like, oh, no, 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 please. They don't give those out. She's like, it was all <laughs> Anwa stuff. She's like, you cannot get that stuff unless you know a member. So it's pretty cool to, to have that in here. I look upon that all the time. And uh, it's a nice. How did you get it? How did you oh, get it? on eBay. What? Yeah, you no can everything. Oh my God, we do, we do, we buy so much stupid stuff so people can hear what we buy on eBay. <laughs> I bought a box. I'm staring. I bought a friggin' box of 1992 Pro Set golf trading card. Stop for like oh eight, for like eight dollars. <laughs> like I'm, I'm staring at a Scott Simpson and a Ken Green card. I'm just. <laughs> Just to see the mullets and everything in between, it was worth the eight bucks. Oh my god, that wow, that is something special. Yeah, it's turning, <laughs> it's turning into a shrine here of just stupid golf memorabilia. That's amazing. I mean, like, what do you like the game of golf or something like that? I don't yeah, know. a little bit, a little bit. Just like, a little. Come, come down to my lair, <laughs> show you the bunker down here. Yeah. God, that is too funny. 
So Ooh, you, you kind of, yeah, I know that is the, believe me, you can find anything on eBay. That's the bottom line. <laughs> um, you know, as a great segue, you know, your way around a recording studio, because like I mentioned <laughs> in the intro, you also work for the golf channel for morning drive. Um, I, I did. Did that come from working with the RNA or was that something completely different once you had graduated college? Yes and no. Um, once again, timing is everything. And another reason for anyone on earth who has ever wanted to work in golf at all to just play golf, have the internships, do all that. Because the people you meet and the timing of things, I mean, it works. I can, I can single-handedly thank golf for just about every job opportunity I've had, including that one. So my senior, no, junior year, I think my junior year, um, my coach came up to myself and the captain of our boys team and was like, hey, we have this event that these, I, I think they were like investors or some folks in finance are doing. And some of the guys from the Golf Channel are basically hosting like a talking golf event and, you know, just entertaining these guys for a night. And it's going to go to charity and they want some of the kids from NYU's team to essentially just like help work the event. Do you guys want to do it? And I was like, uh, duh. Like, absolutely. Um, yeah, you don't have to twist my arm. Yeah, really. Like, oh, need so much convincing to say yes there. So we went to this event, and um, of all people, Rich Lerner was there. And I went and I introduced myself to Rich, and I said, hi, Rich, I'm Christina. I've worked for the RNA for a little bit, and I just want to let you know I really admire you, and I like what you do. And, and he was and is the nicest guy on the planet. He's actually been a big mentor of mine for since then, actually. Um, and we just got to talking for a little while. And he was like, so you want to work at Golf Channel, huh? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, here's my email. You know, here's a few more emails. Don't forget to email me. And I just started talking to him and a bunch of the um, like EPs and stuff like that from Golf Channel. And that I think it was that next year because I was graduating I think the next year uh, I went down to Orlando for the PGA show and they had me come to the studio and like in person meet everybody and I had a job offer on my day of graduation and it was amazing um, I was like a child in a candy shop it could not have been any cooler <laughs> um, oh actually you know what though I completely forgot about this too um because you were asking if it came from the RNA. And it's funny because I always forget about this. Uh, my second year, sorry, these timelines, time has gone by far too fast and I forget a lot of it this. It blurs but... after a while, I know. <laughs> it really does. I mean, literally me forgetting about this is just proof of that. But um, I want to say it was my second year working with the RNA. Um, the last day of the Open at Murfields, I ran into Tim Rosefort and... And once again, one of those situations like, hey, I've seen you around, you know, oh, Tim, I admire your work. Oh, well, here's my email. You know, send me an email when you get back to the States, you know, we'll chat. And so Tim also, you know, I have to thank him because he's one of the reasons that I actually got into. I didn't know I wanted to be in TV. I just knew I wanted to be in golf and Golf Channel is, you know, the way to do that. Or at least I saw it that way anyway. And Tim is one of the reasons I realized I wanted to be in television itself. So I really have to thank him for a lot of that as well. Um, so that was, yeah, timing is everything. <laughs> What's, I've, I've always wondered what the atmosphere is like working 
at the golf channel is is everybody there an enormous golf fan are there some people that work for it that are just kind of like digital media people that that just happen to work for the golf channel do do they go out and play during lunch is there putting greens around you know what i mean like what what's kind of like the general vibe of it um so it's kind of a combination of people like you'll get people like me who are huge golf nerds and just eat sleep breathe live golf and then you will get people who are just like oh I like sports or, oh, I like media or I like TV, whatever it may be. Um, but one of the things that happens without a doubt is after being there for a month, if you don't love golf, you start to love golf. Um, so that's super cool. There is the, the building is amazing. Um, there are a bunch of putting greens everywhere. Um, even in the lobby, as you walk in, there's just a putting green right out front. So if you're, you know, taking a break, you can go putt. Um, there's a simulator and, uh, a whole, like, I mean, 15 bags of golf clubs to choose from, which is super fun. And yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's just, it's wild. It's definitely wild because in terms of TV, it's in a way almost like any other network TV building, but the fact that it is, you know, golf channel, like there's memorabilia all over the walls from, you know, Annika's 59 or you know one of Arnie's bags or something like that you know all of this stuff that's just wow like I can't believe this all exists in one place it's almost like a museum and a studio at the same time (laughs) yeah that's uh I mean obviously anyone that listens is probably the same people that watch the golf channel that watch morning drive you know my my wife whenever I'm home if it's not watching NBC News, which we'll get to in a second, because you know you'll forever be my weather girl. Um, <laughs> it's it's watching Morning Drive, and she's like, you know, how, like there's a morning show for golf. Like, come on, like how much more do I need to endure being married <laughs> to you? I mean, I get that. I honestly do. That's so funny. I mean. Oh, I don't know. It's so it is super fun, though, because one of the things that was I was not totally prepared for, um, because until I got my job offer, I didn't know what show I was going to be working on or really what I was going to be doing in general. Um, So one of the first things I found out, I got a call from my producer when I was still in New York. And um, so that same summer, so I graduated in May, got, you know, the letter that day. And then got a phone call from my producer like a week later. And they were like, hey, you know, we know you're going to work again with the RNA this summer. Like, we don't need you super fast. So, you know, we don't want to rush you or anything like that. So go do your stuff with the RNA. We'll give you a few weeks afterwards. How about you start, you know, in the beginning or the middle of August? I was like, okay, that's perfect. It gives me some time to move all my crap down to Orlando. Um, And, you know, basically just get settled as a very, very new adult. And... One of the first things he told me on the phone was he goes, so you're going to be working on morning drive. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And he was like, yeah, usually people come in at like one and they leave at like 11. And I I had to think about it for a second. I was like, (laughs) 1 p.m. And he was like, no, 1 a.m. And I was like, what? And that, by the way, 1 a.m. was a late day. Most of the time I would get in at 11 p.m. Uh, the night before the show and leave at like, I don't know, 10 a.m. or something like that the next day. So that was <laughs> that was a big surprise. 
Um, it was super weird, but at least, you know, with a fun morning golf show, it's easy to be awake and having a good time because you're literally just talking about fun golf segments all day. Like, yeah, those are those wild. are pretty crazy hours to keep, though. <laughs> what what yeah. time? Do you, what time do you go to sleep? But like, uh, you know, you turn into like an eighty-year-old person automatically. You go to sleep, but you eat dinner at like four. You go to bed yeah. at six o'clock or so. One of the saving graces of that shift, and I think they really designed this well because I don't know how people could do it otherwise. Um, I worked four ten-hour days instead of five eight-hour days, so that was really nice having a three-day weekend. But otherwise, I, I honestly, being completely honest, I did not handle the hours well. Like, I couldn't figure out a sleep schedule. I had no idea when to eat. I was, like, eating spaghetti at 5 a.m. Like, it's like, what? <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I would come home and be like, do I, am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I cold? Like, I don't understand what is happening right now. So it's tough. And right now, with my job now, I work on a morning show. And I do, I wake up at 2 a.m., um, but believe it or not, the difference between 11 PM and 2 AM is unbelievable. Like there it's like, it, it's only three hours, but it feels like I'm waking up at 7 AM in comparison. So yeah, I just didn't handle the hours. Well, honestly, that was, that was hard and props to all the people who have done that for, you know, their entire career. Cause there are some folks who've done that and I just, oof, it's hard. <laughs> That's something as a viewer you never really think about. You just think like, okay, I roll out of bed and they happen to be on. But there's so much that goes into the pre-programming, not to mention makeup, et cetera, et cetera, and and all that stuff to kind of get you ready. Um, I've got to – before we we move on, I've got to ask, did did working for the Golf Channel get you on any cool courses at all? They got any pull around there? if it really got me on anywhere that I couldn't have gotten on otherwise, but it helped me play golf for like no money, which was great because they have a program set up through golf now that any employee, I think it was like, I don't know, 50 or 75% off any of the rounds on golf now anyway. So I could go play stellar golf courses for like 10 bucks. It was awesome. So I played every day of the week. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, get yourself to to work for the Golf Channel kids. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you yeah, love, if you if you want to play amazing and also cheap golf, that is the place to be. <laughs> and I would, uh, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my girl Bridget Whelan, who you met while yeah. the Golf Channel. And people know her because Bridget has been on the podcast before as a guest host. And now she's working for a pod uh, called Believe. So she's still down in Orlando and she says hi. And, uh, and you know, it's funny. It's funny how how maybe, you know, big the golf industry is, yet how small it really is once you kind of break it down. It's so true. And, yeah, and for background, Bridget and I, worked at golf channel at the same time but it's funny because she worked the opposite shift that i worked so we didn't see each other too much and then we just kind of got closer after i left ironically um but she is a delight she's so freaking smart um and she's kicking butt and you are absolutely right that the golf industry is just so it's so small even though it's so big i mean even so when i was over um in the uk at the open one of the years i was there it was the same year I met Tim Rosefort, um, Jim McCabe, who is 
amazing. He is a, an incredible golf writer, so talented. Um, I ran into him of all things. So I had these crazy rain boots on because, you know, I, funny enough, every year I was there, the weather was actually pretty amazing, except for this one day. And I had these ridiculous, like paisley rain boots and they looked insane, but I was like, you know what, this is what I have. So this is what I'm bringing. And he stopped me just in the middle of the media tent and was like, those are some crazy boots. And I was like, yes, they are. And he was like, I'm Jim. It's like, I'm Christina. And it turns out he was from the town next door to me and knew my dad. are you kidding me this is so weird so literally since then you know we've kept in touch for a long time obviously and it's just so funny because I'll be like hey Jim how's home you know it's so nice to have that connection with somebody yeah it's again it's you know you can you can plan so much for in life but sometimes you just got to roll with the punches and and whatever life throws at you go with because a lot of times it's just kind of who you know and, and who you meet you know yeah, and it's absolutely true. Um, I will always say that, like, I don't know, networking is everything because, first of all, you'll make a lot of friends and that's fun. And second of all, you just you never know who you're going to run into. You know, it's so nice to, especially in the golf industry, you know, you can become friends with anybody because you have this amazing fundamental thing in common, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the ultimate icebreaker between yes. different social classes or socioeconomic status or or educational levels you know if you play golf i play golf i don't care how good you are but if you love the game like i love the game i mean it's almost instantaneous friendship yes absolutely true yeah you already have this huge thing and it's it's awesome it's so cool golf is very very cool like that there's not a bunch of things other than golf that can bring people together in that way you know yeah it's very true um, so we'll brush over real quick, but you got your meteorology degree at Mississippi state and then worked in and around Rochester, right? Uh, so I started, so actually I'm technically still finishing my meteorology degree, which is wild because it is so long. Um, it is, it's, it's long, but I have, you know, honestly, I feel like I do have an advantage considering I've been forecasting for a really long time now. Um, and my mom was a science teacher, so I grew up in a very climatology friendly household. Um, so that was really <laughs> nice. So, so that's good. Um, but I started, I actually ended up in Eastern Washington for my first job, which was wild. Um, it was super crazy. So that, that was, that was how I got my start there. Um, I don't know if I've ever told this story other than to just like friends or anything like that. But I, so when I was um, at Golf Channel, like I was saying before, Tim Rosefort kind of helped me realize that I really did want to be in TV. And it got to the point that my desire to be in TV almost outweighed my desire to be in golf. And, you know, it was one of those things that I really loved working in golf, but I'd gotten to the point where it, it felt too much like work and I wanted golf to just be golf. So I was like, you know what, maybe I'll step aside and get a job just in, you know, working as a broadcaster and kind of let golf be its own thing. So I started applying to all of these just tiny little news markets because that's in TV. That's basically how you do it. I, I kind of liken it to being a baseball player. You know, you start in the tiny little teeny tiny city leagues and you eventually make your way to the minors and then you eventually make your way to the majors and tv is kind of the same way you start in these teeny tiny markets in these towns that no one's ever heard of and then eventually you get 
to bigger and bigger cities if if you want to you know a lot of people settle down in those places because they find a huge love for them um but after realizing I wanted to be in TV, I just started applying. And within a week, I had gotten and accepted a job in Washington, even though I knew nothing about it. And the job I got was actually an anchor reporter job and had nothing to do with weather. And I got there, drove 3,000 miles across the country, um, which was amazing. Would highly recommend that to anyone, by the way. Cross-country road trips are the best. But I got there on my first day. My boss looks at me and she goes, you're bubbly. You're <laughs> going to do the weather instead. I was like, I'm going to do what? She was like, yeah, you're, you're going to do the weather. And I was like, I, you know I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And she was like, yeah, I don't know. You'll figure it out. I was like, are you kidding? She's like, no, here, let's go get you acquainted with the green screen. And I was like, oh, my God, this is psychotic. And within a week I was like okay this is what I want to do for the rest of my life <laughs> it was very wild <laughs> so I've always I've always got to ask because I think I would be like completely backwards how difficult is it you how difficult is it pointing to cities or states on a map <laughs> that aren't there but not only are they not there but it's backwards so <laughs> So once you've done it for a while, you get it down. But so the, the thing that you don't see is off camera, there are usually a bunch of tiny TV monitors scattered around the green screen. So you can see it is backwards, but you can see kind of the general area of where you are. So when I first started and again, had no idea what I was doing, um, I would just like stick a hand out to almost like fake wave. And that's how I knew like where I would be pointing to like, oh, you need to move your hand up another two feet. Ah, to very clever. So I, I found these, yeah, these little, and I looked like an idiot, but for the first couple of weeks getting acquainted with it, it worked. Um, and once you do it for long enough, you just, you just kind of know, you know, and from station to station, they're all very similar or virtually the exact same. But it is, it's weird. It's a weird thing to get used to, especially with everything being backwards. I think that's the weirdest thing. Do you have, do you have any mishaps on, on TV at all that, that you can relay? You know how you always see those on, <laughs> yeah. like if you Google, you know, news anchor mishaps, they're either saying something that, you know, slips out or, or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So I have, <laughs> that's, oh, that's funny you bring that up. So at that same, that first job, um, I had probably been there for about two months or so. And I was doing well. I was really proud of myself because I, I took on this challenge that I had no idea I was going to do. And I really loved it. Um, but we have to do these cut-ins. And essentially, they're just, you know, between 30 seconds and, you know, a minute and 10 seconds or so that you cut into whatever the national programming is at that point. Just like, hey, here's a quick update. Um, and I called the weather crappy. And I thought that was where my career was going to end. Because <laughs> I literally, like the anchor, because you'll do a news one and then you'll do a weather one. The anchor sitting in the studio, her jaw fell to the floor and she was like, oh no. And I was like, oh no. And I, I like fell to my knees and I was like, oh, this is it. This is how I get fired. And it was so funny. I went into my boss's office. Shout out Jana Gray, greatest news director I will ever have. She just, uh, she was such a good boss. And I went into her office and I was like, Jana, I have to tell you something. And I want you to hear it from me. And she was like, what? And I go, Jana, 
I said crappy in our cut-in. I called the weather crappy. And she was like, oh, that's it? I thought you were going to tell me you dropped an F-bomb or something. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> so it was... <laughs> It was not the greatest, but it was not the worst, I guess. I'm, I'm, there have been worse things, but that was like my biggest panic attack ever was just doing that and immediately being like, nope, all right, this was fun while it lasted. <laughs> all right, well, that, that's not too bad then. That's not no, too bad. No, not too bad. I mean, other than that, I haven't, and I'm definitely going to jinx myself, so be on the lookout for the next few Yeah, and, and that, but that's I'm... my fault. I apologize in advance, people. <laughs> Yeah, brace yourself, Nashville. I'm about to do something really dumb, and I don't know what it is yet. But I really haven't had anything too bad other than that. Like, I've said some silly things before or, like, I don't know, like, almost tripped over a mic wire or something like that. But nothing that's really been crazy. But, yeah, brace yourself. I'm sure. Gotcha. I'm sure it's going to happen in the next two weeks because I just said that. <laughs> yeah, and you and you mentioned before you alluded to you've only been in Nashville, you know, a little bit, and and I kind of, I mean, obviously I knew you because you were my weather girl on TV that I would watch all the time, and I remember you were doing, I don't remember exactly, but you had mentioned something about like golfing weather, and yes. I thought. Oh, that's interesting. You don't really hear that if you're not in a golf mecca. And trust me, people across the country, Northeast PA is not a golf mecca. <laughs> so, so you had mentioned it, and it kind of, I don't know, you know, it got lost in the ether of my brain somewhere, and then I heard it again, and I was like, oh. I said, you know what, let me, I'll, I'll look into that a little bit. That's kind of interesting. I heard it two or three times now, and I happened to look on, you know, on Instagram, and I saw, I said, oh my God, she's a golfer. And then I got a little bit into it. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like she's a real golfer. Not like <laughs> there. Uh, okay. Let me, let me phrase this properly. There are a lot of, there are a lot of pretty girls that will put a golf club in their hand, right. To get clicks and stuff like that. And, and that's very big on the internet because golf is obviously, you know, a male dominated sport. You know, most People that are consumers of the sport are male. It's like an 85 to 15%. I mean, I see with my podcast numbers, it's like 88% male, 12% female. Um, So that sells. But as I looked more into it, I said, oh, like, wow, like this is an actual golfer. This is somebody that's that's showing it off, but but actually knows what she's talking about and actually, you know, (laughs) can back it up and go out and and play. so like right then and there, I was like, oh, forget it. Like I'm in love. Like that's that's my weather girl. That's the only program I'm gonna watch. And then you went to Nashville. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to ditch you like that. And also, thank you so much for saying those nice things because once again, head's not gonna fit through the door. Too many well, compliments. <laughs> well, I mean, I uh, apologize in advance to your husband for me for you know the next one or two days as you're kind of floating around as you walk. <laughs> Fair enough. I think I can do that. I can make that work. But yeah, um, also shout out to Northeast PA, by the way, because I did have so much fun. I was there for like two years and it was awesome. It's it's not a golf mecca, but it is a fun place to be. And it is such a fun place to forecast because you like and that was why I, I took the job there in the first place, because you can literally do everything. I mean, you get nor'easters, you get tornadoes, you get flooding and you know, those are not fun things for the people living there, but as a meteorologist, they're fascinating for me to study. So Northeast PA, I had so much fun there, but 
I am. Yeah. I'm sorry to, to have ditched you and gone to Nashville too soon, I suppose. <laughs> that, well, that's it's OK. On to, you know, bigger and better things. And it's funny that you mentioned all the different weather that can happen in Northeast PA. I feel like it's an area of the country that gives you um, a higher percentage of being correct, because that's that's like always the knock. Right. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I could. I could get up there, dude, and I could just, you know, be like, it's going <laughs> to rain, and then it doesn't rain. And I'm like, all right, whatever, man. But in Northeast PA, <laughs> you can say whatever. And, like, it's probably going to happen. Yeah, because there's literally, you can have eight seasons in a day, and there are only four seasons. So just to put that in perspective for you. Yeah, and the elevation, <laughs> you know, it's, so I'm at, like, 600 feet of elevation. So I'm out in, in effort, out in, like, the west end of Monroe oh, County. Yeah, okay. All right, yep. so, but you go up the hill from me, and you drive three miles past my house, and if I get rain, they could have six inches of snow, because those three miles yeah. are like three miles uphill. I can't tell you the number of times I had to, like, and I, I am a very non-confrontational person, but I would be like, dude, shut up and actually listen, open up your ears, because someone would be like, you said it was going to rain in blah, blah, but I got snow. And I was like, no, no. I said, this place would get snow and this place would get rain. And Pennsylvania says they, there are so many microclimates that you do have to be very specific because again, with the elevation, it's just incredible. Um, you know, how many different types of precipitations, particularly in the winter that you can get. And it's very, very specific. So uh, that that is a problem that I've seen so many times. And Nashville's a little different just because it's so much warmer. Um, but in yeah, in a, in a spot like Pennsylvania, and particularly Northeast Pennsylvania, where there are so many microclimates, it's just it's like an art being able to spell out all of the places and just hope that people listen and remember. Like, hey, if I live in Mount Pocono, I'm going to get snow. But if I live in you know any spot in the valley I might get some sleet instead you know it's it's different <laughs> yeah well and the problem is people don't listen there as soon as they hear snow they're like oh my god like the world yes. and I'm not gonna get in my house for three days she said snow yeah exactly get your your eggs milk and bread right <laughs> oh god yeah hey here's something I've always wanted to ask a meteorologist yeah. when you see okay so obviously like I'm a big forecast watcher because of, of golf and, and most people right. that golf are I mean if, if you don't you're, you're you're an idiot it's an outdoor sport so yeah. when you see something and it says 20% chance of rain correct me if I'm wrong all that means is that there's a 20% chance of rain that somewhere in the forecast area, it's going to precipitate. Is that, that correct? Is, is that that right. is correct. First of okay. all, thank you for being knowledgeable about that because way too many people aren't. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but at WBRE, the station that I was at in Northeastern Pennsylvania, we actually don't use percentages because we've found that too many people don't actually understand what they mean. So that is absolutely correct. Yeah, in the forecast area, there's a 20% chance that somewhere there's going to be rain. So it doesn't mean that everyone's going to get rain or snow or whatever it may be that day. So yeah, that's, that's a really good thing for people to know. And that's one of the reasons that we try to be incredibly specific with locations because, you know, it, it, you could say 20% chance and it still doesn't really ring the bell of like, oh, will effort get rain today? Maybe, you know? 
Yeah, no, it's very good to know. And 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 the thing is, like, especially you talked about the microclimates within mountain ranges. You know, a lot of times as as the clouds and and whatever or the front moves over the mountains it'll completely break up and split so you have this golf course is getting a deluge and and this other golf course is remaining completely dry and they happen to be five miles away from each other right right that is yeah and that's something we saw a lot of in i mean like anywhere versus spots like schuylkill county even like poor schuylkill i just i want to give schuylkill county a hug they had so much flooding over the last few years and it just it just broke my heart because there would be so many places that you know you think it's bad there and it's really not in comparison you know it's it's just so crazy to see the difference that can come from just going five miles down the road or even just county to county like my favorite thing, so my second year there, I lived up in Lake Ariel and worked in Wilkes-Barre. Long commute, but very cool. And one of the things that always I loved to watch on a snowy day was literally right on the Lackawanna Luzerne County line. That's where the elevation drops just enough that you start to get the changeover from snow to rain. So in Lake Ariel would have three, four inches of snow. Then starting to drive south on 81, you see maybe like an inch and a half on the grass and the roads or something or in the medians or something like that. And then you hit that Luzerne County line. It's like, Oh, there's the rain. It's just, it's so funny because it was always that same exact spot. And I just love to watch out for that. Is it, is it difficult being in that industry knowing that as you move up and onward in your career, that it's always kind of a different area of the country that you're going to be in? Yes and no. Um, it's, for me, I, I'm very adventurous. Like I, I love to go explore new places and new cities. So for me, it's been really fun so far. I really, I I've lived all over the country. I always joke that I'm playing USA bingo bingo. And the only spot that I'm missing is the Southwest. Um, and it's just, it's so cool. Cause I've gotten to see so many places that I would never have seen otherwise. I would never have had a reason to go visit Eastern Washington. Cause I mean, Western Washington. So to put this in perspective for people, the Cascade mountains divide the state more or less in half and the same thing with Oregon and everything to the East, you get the rain shadow effect. So essentially everything rains out before you get past the mountains. So everything to the East of the Cascades is a desert. It's a high desert climate and everything to the West is like what you see in a postcard, Seattle and stuff like that. So if I were ever to go out there, I'd go to Seattle, but I would never have gotten to Eastern Washington or Eastern Oregon, which it's just so cool to be able to say that I've, I've been out there and I've explored those places that, you know, kind of the road less traveled, I guess. Um, but, but now, I mean, Nashville, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to be here for a little while. I really love it here. So, you know, it's kind of a balance at this point of work life and home life, you know, trying to be a real person and live a normal life. And at the same time, you know, put 110% into work and into growing and, and, you know, I, I think I've kind of found a place now where I feel really good about the location, the actual city that I'm in, the amount of a, a challenge that it's going to be. Like, I've certainly been challenged since I've been here, and that feels really good. So I think I'm going to be here for a little while, kind of continuing to be challenged in this market, which is really awesome. I know you've gotten out to play golf a few times, um, and especially during what's going on now with the coronavirus impacting so much and obviously impacting your job and everyone across the country. It's been a nice kind of respite, I'm, uh, a respite, I'm, I'm sure, of being out there. Um, 
What's the golf vibe like in Nashville? Everyone knows the city as, you know, the the live music capital of the world, but the golf's <laughs> pretty damn good, isn't it? It is. It is. And people love to play. I have gotten so many messages already from people being like, oh, my God, you play golf? Sweet. Love it. And that is so much fun, you know, to be in a, a golf-centric area. And you don't think of Tennessee as, you know, in the South, if you think you're going to go play golf, you think of Florida or Georgia or something like that. You don't really think of Tennessee, but there's a lot of great golf out here. You know, there's a lot of spots, even just some of the little courses we've played, even the city courses. I mean, it's actually super cool. And I actually haven't checked on this since. So Governor Lee, our governor, just put um, a stay-at-home order into effect for the entire state about 24 hours ago. And until then, and maybe still now, but I have to check, some of the Nashville golf courses, the city courses, have been kept open because they figure, you know what, if you're going to be walking outside, you might as well be playing golf. And they've done a great job. They took away all the golf carts. They pulled all the pins out of the holes and filled the holes with either sand or rubber so no one's, like, reaching their hand in and all touching the same plastic, you know. Um, but it's been really cool. And the city courses are fantastic. And I haven't lived too many places or, you know, where you can – really say that in comparison to city versus you know a private course or a really well-maintained muni or something like that and I'm, I'm just so impressed you know um it's been really fun and i can't wait for this to all be over so i can go play some more <laughs> yeah you and i both i mean it's just uh it's getting it's getting nuts it's it's you know obviously it's it's awful what's going on out there but in, in our kind of little you know, niche in, in the in the world. It's severely affecting, you know, not only playing golf, but the entire season in and of itself as well. Um, yeah, this has been, it's just wild. It really, every day, and it's kind of weird for me because I'm still going to work every day. Um, so it, it kind of hits me in weird ways every once in a while. Like even the other day, I said to myself, like, oh, I'd love to go play this course. And I was like, nope, that's not going to happen. So, hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> hey, uh, before I get you out of here, let people know. Obviously, the people of Nashville know where they can find you on their televisions. <laughs> but for everyone else, um, you know, let them know how to follow you, how to kind of get in touch. Um, you know, if they're interested, uh, and and just kind of follow along on your career path as well as your golfing journey. Oh, thank you. And yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so. Um, the easiest way to find me is basically on any social media. My Instagram is just my name, Christina Shalhoop. My Twitter is KShalhoopWX. And for those people who don't know, WX is the little abbreviation we all use for weather. Um, my Facebook is the same thing, just my name, Christina Shalhoop. Um, my email is KShalhoop at WKRN.com. So specifically for anyone in Tennessee listening, if you ever have any fun story ideas or anything like that, this job is really cool because I have the opportunity, if I want to, to get out in the field and tell some weather stories and stuff like that. So email me um, and, you know, send me a message anyway. I really, I'm not great about getting back right away just because I have a lot of messages to reply to all the time. But I always try to get back to every single person who messages me because if you're going to take the time to give me a message, why shouldn't I take the time to give you a message back, you know? So um, reach out, say hey. Uh, and for those folks in Tennessee, I'm uh, at News 2 at WKRN, and I'm working on our morning show, Good Morning Nashville. It's awesome, and we have a really fun crew. So, yeah, tune in. It's great. Fantastic. All right, well, Tennessee, our loss. 
your gain. Christina, it's been an absolute pleasure. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. Uh, hopefully I get to t- Tennessee at some point. We'll tee it up. Yes, absolutely. Oh, gosh, you have to make a trip down here. It is 100% worth it, if not just for the golf, for the food uh, and the music. So, <laughs> Two things I absolutely love. Love it. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a pleasure. You're very welcome. Enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend and, and enjoy not having to be up at two in the morning. <laughs> I definitely will. Thank you so much. And, you know, give any PA a hug for me, okay? Will do. Will do. All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying.